House come to order if members can take their seats. This budget is a huge job maker, and the number one solution to economic insecurity is a job. Hungry children can't learn, and it's our responsibility to try to help. Equality and opportunity. I believe most people are here because they want to do some good. If you look up the word bittersweet in your online dictionary, you might see a link to today's Capital Ideas. We're talking with Representative Jesse Johnson, the federal way Democrat who wrapped up his third session in the House by announcing that he wouldn't be asking his constituents in the 30th District to send him back for a fourth. That decision from a lawmaker widely considered to be a rising star came as a surprise, and he'll fill in the blanks in just a few minutes. First, welcome to Capital Ideas, the podcast where members of the majority Democrats in the Washington State House of Representatives sit down at the Capitol to talk about ideas. Today, those ideas range from police reform and behavioral health to diapers and doulas because Jesse has been a key player in all these issues and more during his short tenure in Olympia. We talked via Zoom on Friday, March 25th, 2022, and here's how it went. Welcome to Capital Ideas, Representative Jesse Johnson of the 30th District. You live in Federal Way, and you have been a member of the state legislature for three years, and that's something that I want to talk about. This will be your last session. You made that announcement fairly recently. I want to get your take on those three years today, if we can do that. When I think about uh, the last three years, I really think about historic is what comes to mind because I came in, obviously my first session being 2020, came in on the third day of session. Uh, I was appointed for my predecessor, Christine Reeves, who was running for Congress. And um, I came in not with any orientation. I literally had been to Olympia twice in my life, one as a kid. (laughs) Um, And so I came to the Capitol and I remember my first day asking where do I go to get to my office and just all that. I had to hire a legislative assistant on the fly. It was just a lot of learning. And so I think I think about that year, we passed four bills, um, really, you know, kind of, I'd say less polarizing bills. Like, you know, I had one around foster care youth and reconciling families that have been through trauma and environmental sustainability programs and really kind of um, more relaxed issues, I would say. But I, I got a chance to learn um, the process and how and watch um, how legislators interacted and how they got tough legislation passed. And so that interim, um, I told myself, like, I was going to work on some really meaningful uh, laws that meant something to my district. Not that the others didn't, but it's just, I, I know that we have so much need in the 30th. Coincidentally, on the last day of session was actually the first COVID case in the United States, um, in Washington State. Um, and I remember just kind of the panic and the unknown, like, what does this mean? And, and uh, sine die was kind of weird because we knew that there was this, you know, um, there was this thing out there that was, um, was, was real, but we just didn't know what it was. It didn't have any information. So I remember us leaving sine die in 2020, like, we don't know what's going to happen. And then, so we went into the interim and then May 26 happened and George Floyd. And, you know, that changed my life. It, it really did. It, uh, I had heard about um, police violence 
and I have never been a victim of it myself. Um, I have had family members that have been uh, harmed by police violence, and so, including my own dad, and so I, I, I know about it, but that just seeing it on video um, happen, I think really changed the course of my next two years and the course of the world, frankly. And I just remember for weeks watching the news during this pandemic, seeing the, the protests in the streets, I, I joined a few myself, and I just said, something has to be done. And that's when um, I was told there's this group of families impacted by police violence, uh, the Washington Coalition on Police Accountability, and they wanted a black legislator to push police reform in 2021. And at the time that was pre 2020, uh, November, 2020 election. So um, there was only myself and Rep Intamin and Rep Morgan and uh, Senator Levick, then Representative Levick, we had four. Um, and uh, myself and Rep Intamin um, stepped up and said, we wanted to work on this. And so the two of us took on the police reform package. Others got involved, of course, but um, we both had a, a large majority of the bills. I had three myself, actually four, one that didn't pass, but three that did. And so um, it, it just became, I did not expect to take on public safety issues like youth career pathways. I'm a former teacher, former high school, college and career counselor. That's my expertise, but I just felt the calling to take this on. And um, thankfully, Representative Goodman, uh, chair of public safety made me his vice chair uh, that next year after the election. And that's, that's where we went. We spent about nine or 10 months working on this legislation with families, with advocates, with activists, with law enforcement too. And we took on the challenge. And so 2021 was all about police reform. And I was focused on other issues too, but police reform took up a large majority of my time and actually a large majority, not only of my legislative time, but my life. <laughs> and um, I, it, it, to be honest, now I look back on it, I think it did kind of take a mental toll on me and, and um, as my wife would say, probably um, it kind of took over my life for a bit. And, um, you know, I, I think everything else kind of went on pause. And so that was 2021 was kind of a blur with all that work. And then 2022, this year, um, after, you know, months of pushback from law enforcement, uh, some law enforcement that loved, loved the idea of reform, but others that didn't. Um, and we had to come back and make some tweaks to the laws. And that took another big uh, capacity to do that work. And so I think about the last couple of years as just kind of uh, spent hearing, listening, pushing, you know, just trying to form ultimately the best policy around police reform and accountability for our state. And that's kind of taken over, I think, my time as a legislator. But I think it's all been worth it because when I see the families, when I see the decreased level of police violence in the community, I think it has been worth it. And I think maybe five to 10 years from now, we'll appreciate it a little bit more than even now. Even though this is just your third year, it seems like you've been here forever. You've been instrumental in making a real sea change, I think, in this state. And I'm going to read real quickly here because I can't memorize this. In just three years, you have been not just instrumental, but individually responsible in, in a lot of ways to ban harmful police tactics, create a first ever standard on the police use of force, which prioritizes de-escalation as opposed to lethal alternatives, mandate that police and school resource officers 
have to recognize the fact that youth deserve the right to have an attorney present before being questioned if that's what they want. You've expanded services for families in crisis, uh, including mental health services, suicide prevention, and drug treatment. Provided recommendations to schools to improve academic outcomes for unhoused or foster care youth. Develop a high school environmental and sustainability curriculum, uh, which is certainly needed at this time. Uh, You've created and funded the first ever pre-apprenticeship program in the construction trades at Federal Way High School. And you have been instrumental in securing funding for youth gun violence prevention and economic prosperity. That's not a bad list for somebody who maybe would be retiring after 20 years in the legislature. You know, not to criticize other members, but a lot of people might spend their first three years sitting towards the back and listening. And you really did get just thrown into the deep end of the pool and you swam. You know, when you, when you say that list, Dan, it, it, uh, it brings me back to, um, you know, something that my dad always told me, which was you, you really have to give your full self to whatever job you do in life. And, and he said that from the moment I was 13 and I had my first job mowing lawns at our neighbor's house. I mean, you better show up on time and it better be done right. Otherwise, you might as well do something else. And so I think about the same philosophy as a legislator is, you know, I, I really believe that if I'm there for a reason, I was elected by the people to, to do work and to listen and to bring forth policy that helps people's lives. Um, that, that's my job. And I took that to heart and uh, I really just enjoyed doing it. And that's what made the decision to step away so much more challenging was I really just love this work. I love meeting with my constituents, even those that disagree with me. And um, we have a saying in the black community to lift every voice, even the voices that we don't wanna hear. And I really truly believe I tried to do that. Some people may disagree, but I I really tried to listen to all sides on issues and I loved doing it. And that made it a lot easier to to work in the legislature that's really confusing institution sometimes, but it was just so enjoyable um, to do that work and, and really, my constituents and the stakeholders and the advocates and my colleagues made it so that it was it was fun to do the work. So um, it it doesn't even seem like a huge push for me for, for doing all that because it was so much fun doing it. Um, and so even through all the, the challenges, it was really I just loved it. So so I hope to I hope to remember that the fact that I really loved the work. I think it's important to point out why you're leaving at this point, which is that you're a new dad and you are doing something that a lot of people might give lip service to and talk about how it's certainly a good thing to do, but you know, it's not done all that often, which is you're leaving a rewarding situation to take on an even more rewarding and more important situation, which is to be a dad uh, while your partner continues with her education. I think that a lot of people were stunned by that announcement. And I think most people looked inside themselves and said, I hope I would do that in that same situation. But if we're honest, a lot of us wouldn't say that. I congratulate you on on making that decision. I appreciate that. You know, my wife has made a lot of sacrifices for me. Uh, She actually applied for medical school in 2018. And I was on the Federal Way City Council at the time. She got accepted to some really great institutions across the country. 
And she chose to stay at UW, not just because it was a great medical school, but because of me and my work. And we didn't want to move and have to leave city council, which would have then prevented me from ever becoming a legislator. So everything happens for a reason, but she's made a lot of sacrifices. And I felt it was time for me to make this one sacrifice because I could just see the toll was taking on her, me being away. Even though we were virtual, a lot of people don't understand, like we're locked in a room for 12 to 14 hours a day doing this work. And so it actually made it even harder than going to Olympia. She actually probably would have preferred I was gone because I would walk out of the room moody, you know, because of stuff going on in session. And, and it just, um, our son was born in August and I realized, wow, I, I probably have only spent a full day with him in the last six months, maybe just a few times. And so I realized my primary job in this next couple of years needs to be being Elijah's dad and being a full-time a supporter of my wife in her medical school journey to becoming a doctor. This definitely is a pause for me. I really do hope to return to politics, but I think in this season of our life, like that's what they both need from me. So that's what led to that decision. I think if you return to politics, you will return with more tools and more enrichment of yourself. And that's certainly what we need more of. Springboarding off the fact that you're a new dad, you also have been instrumental in what was originally called the Moms Caucus in the House Democratic Caucus, and, and you've turned it into the Mom and Dad's Caucus unofficially. There were a number of accomplishments that grew out of the actions of the people in the Mom and Dad's Caucus. You had a recent post on your Facebook page that listed many of these, and if you want to talk about the ones that seem most significant, I think people would love to hear that. Absolutely. The ones that really come to mind for me and that's the great thing about policy is some bills really touch on some of the, the things that happen in our lives as legislators. And all three of these had an impact and, and why I co-sponsored on, on all three of them. Uh, one is House Bill 1881, which is around a doulas. So uh, my wife and I, um, we were thinking about the fact that if Elijah was born in a hospital, we could only have one visitor, which would have been a me, of course, but no family could be around because of the pandemic. And the hospitals were actually bursting at the seams. And we started to do some research on midwifery and, and doulas and found that they have a really deep historical and cultural legacy, particularly in communities of color. And so House Bill 1881 from Representative Harris Talley is around helping doulas um, be a part of the Medicaid system. So if you're on Medicaid, which 52% of births in Washington are covered by Medicaid, you will have access to a doula for the pre-birth support they come to your home for home visits and provide all the guidance for having a, a home birth. Um, they also provide guidance if you're gonna have it in a birth center or a hospital too, but uh, doulas are, are there with you to give you all the advice that you need, especially you know having your first kid. And so um, this bill would allow for not just folks like myself who can pay out of pocket, but other families to be able to have access to a doula. And the next bill was um, Senate Bill 5765. This bill was around midwifery and midwives provide the home visits, the checking the blood pressure of the mom, the baby's heartbeat, all that. And they are just a huge piece of the birthing care team and, and obviously deliver the baby when it's time. But the current reality is midwives in our state, if a complication may arise, say someone has to um, maybe they have some type of defect in, in the birth, it looks like, or the mom is experiencing high blood pressure or something that could lead to worse outcomes. 
they have to advise the client to go to the urgent care or ER or to see another primary care provider because they're not allowed under our current system to provide that care. So this bill would allow midwives to prescribe medications for moms and for newborns up to six months if they choose to do so. And so it really creates a more convenient and efficient system because the midwives are the ones that have built that rapport with, with the parents. And so that bill would do that and was proud to see that bill pass as well. And then finally, House Bill 1947, which was by Representative Noel Frame, also by Senator Tawana Nobles. There is a, a bill in both sides of the chamber. And this bill will provide diapers as a critical household item to be used under our current EBT system where families can buy pre-selected food and it's free. This is a direct subsidy for diapers to be looped in with food, which is super important because as we know right now, because of inflation, that is wrecking already strained family budgets. I know our current average is around $200 a month for diapers alone for Elijah and, and we go to Costco. Luckily, we can afford a membership, but a lot of families can't afford that. So they're, they're buying expensive diapers at the local grocery store. And so this would provide that subsidy for a certain number of diapers every month for those families. So that bill was, was passed as well. So these are three like really important family-oriented bills, um, kid-oriented bills that I think will help families across our state. Earlier today, I was speaking with Representative Lisa Callan. And during the course of that conversation, your name came up because she had sponsored a bill she said, and Representative Johnson came to me with this idea. I was surprised because it seemed like so common sense of a bill that it wouldn't even have been necessary, but apparently it was. Yeah, so, so this bill actually, I'll kind of just give some context first. Um, a lot of kids in our state, as we know, suffer from mental health. I myself suffered from anxiety when I was in middle school. I didn't know it at the time, but um, later I came to find out it was anxiety. And so that has particularly been, unfortunately, increased during this pandemic with, you know, mental health, anxiety, suicidal ideation, all these things that are, that are really sad situations. Young people at my alma mater, Federal High School, came to me with an idea because currently you have a certain number of excused absences, and those absences have to be provided with a doctor's note to be excused. Otherwise, they're unexcused, which counts against you and you're considered truant if you have too many unexcused absences, which can affect obviously your grades, your ability to graduate. But for an excused absence where you only have three in the school year, you have to have this documentation. Well, of course, a lot of young people don't have documentation for mental health because they haven't been treated for it. They don't even know what's happening, um, like the same for myself. So this bill would first increase the excused absences from three to five for the year. And then it would allow for mental health without specific doctor's documentation to be used as an excused absence, as long as you documented later to your counselor what you did on that, that day that you were gone. So maybe you went and sought counseling. Maybe you spent a day, you know, even just reading up on mental health. You have a attached kind of homework assignment on what you do but you're able to have an excused absence and not have to go to school because you're experiencing a mental health issue that day. Like you, I was surprised this was not already in place because I just think it's so important. Mental health is real and it's a health issue. And so this helps to kind of destigmatize mental health for young people. It provides more guidance for schools in responding to these concerns because 
Now counselors are involved in the documentation process of when kids are gone for mental health and they're able to, of course, you know, discreetly, they're able to invite the young person to talk with them or to uh, direct them to a mental health professional if that young person wants to do that. Otherwise, the young person just has to say, this is what I did on the mental health day and it's excused. So I think that's just really cool um, idea from kids in my district. And it turns out Representative Callen has a lot of experience in the mental health and, and youth space. So I thought she'd be a great primary sponsor and I could help support in that process. But it, it was, I'm just so happy it passed. I think it's just common sense. Jesse, I know that you're busy and we should start to wrap this up pretty soon, but I've still got a lot of things I want to ask you. And one of them is, is maybe it might sound corny, but in given that you're wrapping up this portion of your legislative career. I'd like to know at this point, is there a particular accomplishment that makes you the most proud and also maybe the most grateful to have been in a position to accomplish something? I think there's multiple things, but I think the biggest thing for me is I'm really proud of how much increased public engagement we've had on really complicated issues in the last few sessions that I've been a part of. We had thousands of people uh, testify on the police reform legislation, folks against, folks for it, a lot of them for it. And it was great to just be a part of being able to facilitate those conversations, those stakeholder meetings, and then just to see it come to fruition with the bills, because there's so much that goes into a bill, the amendments process, the process of getting changes or ideas from community and th that was all incorporated. So I'm really just proud of the public engagement that we had in the police reform legislation and all of the legislation that I was able to be a part of directly in the last few sessions. During your time here, there has been a, a real ratcheting up in the legislature. And a lot of this comes from the House Democratic Caucus, which is a real focus on equity and social justice in every bill that comes before the legislature, not just the ones that, that you would go, oh, well, that's something we need to talk about racial justice there, but in everything from transportation bills and you know how the budget is written basically everything, people have been asked, consider how this centers equity and racial justice and prosperity for the entire state, not just a couple of people. And after all of this focus on equity and improving relations with police and many, many other things, there's still problems that remain. The legislature can't just disband now and say, all of our work is done after 140 years, and so we're going to quit. What do you see as the kind of things that need to be focused on by your colleagues? You know, I think that there's a lot of issues that um, we've been able to put band-aids on, but not necessarily completely solve. And I would even add police reform to that. I think we, it's not a band-aid, but I think we set some really critical standards for our state in regards to tactics for police, accountability standards. But I also think we still have to improve the police community relations. And I think that's a more challenging and daunting issue. And I think it only is going to come from different sides understanding one another. Um, I was grateful to participate in a number of ride-alongs this past interim. Um, went to the police accountability training and use of force training for police at the academy, Criminal Justice Training Commission. 
for about a week and spent time with the use of force trainer there. Um, his name's Ken Westfall out of Lacey. Really great guy. We just had real conversations with one another about life experiences that are just so different, but we came to an understanding of why we were able to perceive things a little bit differently. And then not necessarily consensus, but collaboration on how to tweak the bills this session to make them work within the police profession. And I think that's the, the level of relationship building that the legislature is going to have to do on a number of issues, including police accountability in the next few years. I also would throw in the Blake decision. The legislators are going to have to do some major work in coming up with drug laws in our state that meet the needs of community. We cannot simply go back to criminalization for simple possession of certain drugs, but there has to be accountability for those people that are bringing drugs into our community as well. And so I don't think the answer is more decades of mass incarceration for, for certain crimes, but I do think we have to come to some level of agreement on there has to be consequences for, for, for those actions, but there also has to be ways, the requisite support for people to get back on their feet, whether it's treatment, whether it's housing, whether it's substance use support or mental health support. I think there has to be that. Otherwise, we're just creating a revolving door where people go in the system, come out with the same issues and doing the same problems, which only decreases public safety. And so we have a lot of work to do in, in the drug uh, sentencing and mental health and substance use treatment area. And then lastly, I would say we need to do a lot of major work around economic uh, support and generational wealth for communities that have been harmed or negatively impacted by the system for decades. And when I say that, I mean a lot of communities of color. I'm really excited about a few bills in that space. I know the treasurer's office is working around a baby bonds bill, which would provide $1,500 for every baby in our state born on Medicaid to put into their account that they cannot access till they're 18. Families cannot access, but it provides at least a, a sliver of something to start to get at this issue of inequity and families from decades of systemic inequality not being able to form any kind of generational wealth. And so um, I'm excited about that bill, which of course would cover any baby born on Medicaid, but that's a huge investment. We're talking $150 million and more for that. And so I think things like that, that at least put direct, tangible resources into the community that we can say this is for that young person or for that family to start to build a positive life and generational wealth. Those are some of the issues, just a few that I think the legislature can tackle in the next few years. If you look at the things that the legislature has to spend $150 million on every year, it seems like a small investment because it could have a, a great impact on some of those other expense areas down the road. You've still got nine months, maybe 10 months as a legislator, and you're going to be working on legislative activities during that period. But once that happens, then you will become Jesse Johnson, private citizen. And I'm wondering, what, what do you see when you look into your future? That's hard to be specific about, but I would like to know where you're headed from here, Jesse. That's a question I ask myself every day, and, and I've always felt led to do something whether it was to become an educator um, and to work with young people, to run for city council, to run for state representative. I've always felt this like calling to do that. And I felt the calling to slow down and to spend time with my son and, and wife and family. But uh, I also feel this, and when I look in our communities, I see 
the last few years, like adults, you know, really trying to figure it out and get policy right uh, to create a better system in society. But I see young people struggling, just having been unsocialized in the last few years, you know, not being able to go to school in person, not being able to be around their friends or to do just little things that are part of their development, like go get their first job or go to uh, the school dance or sports game. So I think we have a lot of young people watching us right now and asking for help. And so I see myself working back in the direct youth space of of helping to support youth in my community. I'm not sure if it's teaching again, but in some way and using that experience to then kind of be my platform for what I wanna work on in the future. But I definitely see it being in the youth space. I will reluctantly let you go now. I really appreciate you giving this much time to Capital Ideas. We've been speaking with Representative Jesse Johnson of the 30th Legislative District, and I think this has been a good one. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you so much, Dan. Appreciate it. There you have Representative Jesse Johnson, and I think you can see why I said this was going to be a bittersweet episode. Jesse made Washington a better place in a short period of time. Fortunately, there are 56 other House Democrats getting things done, and you never know which of them you'll hear from next on Capital Ideas. If you haven't subscribed yet, it's easy to do in all the usual places. This is your state government, and what goes on here matters. The more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you, for your family, and for your community. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats, putting people first since 1889. Thank you for your time. Mm-hmm.